my, my name is Satemangali, the founder and creator of the Prosperity Revolution, a global movement that helps you to get out of scarcity and into prosperity every single day. A movement where people have value, things do not, where money is a result of helping people, where you're rewarded for creating value for others, and where prosperity is not the result of luck, but, but, but of predictable steps and formulas, and, and where happiness is, is the ultimate goal. So you're laying there on your back. Like, walk me more like what's going on in your like what were the thoughts and the feelings and what was your buddy doing like what happened in the moment i'm telling you it, i look back and i'm like how did we do this <laughs> how did we do this because it was just he and i in this in this farm country if you see napoleon dynamite that's that preston idaho napoleon dynamite country that's where we're at and I had just fallen 40 feet. There was no one around us for like five miles, except for the, 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 the lady that I was painting the barn for. And I remember looking up at my buddy and saying, Doug, I think I'm paralyzed. That was after he started to shake me. He's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, I don't think you should be doing that. And I remember looking up at him and saying, Doug, I think I'm paralyzed. Go call the ambulance. And so he does. And so he takes off and he leaves me there. And I was all by myself. And I, I was with my thoughts. I'm like, okay, now what? What do I do? And so the question that, that really went through my mind is how do you deal with a major setback or a difficult challenge? What's your MO? What's your programming? Because when the pressure increases, what, what we've put in comes out. Say that one more time. When the pressure increases, what we put in comes out. Yeah. What do, what do you mean by that? Explain. Well, so often, some, some of us in good times and, 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 in, and in planned and, and organized efforts we're able to control our emotions just a little bit better than under that under that pressurized experience and so sometimes we fake it and we're able to fake it but when that pressure is increased to the point where it's like there's no faking it whatever comes out instinctively right whatever happens instinctively is going to come out and so when the increase when the pressure increases the performance typically decreases because we haven't prepared we haven't been planning we haven't been you know reprogramming our past you know, Dan Clark says 90% of what we do is habitual. I believe that number is a little too low. I think it's much higher in the high 90s. I mean, the high 90s of everything we do is habitual. You know, George Bernard Shaw, the great Irish play, play, playwright, said, if he's accurate, he says that 2% of the population think, 3% of the population think they think, and 95% of the population would rather die than think. And so here we have 98% of the population that don't think. It's in the thinking that it causes us to change because if we're going off habits and if we're going off past programming, when that pressure hits, then what we've put in is going to come out. Do you feel like you had put in a great amount into your habits, into your spiritual power, into your personal power, into your mindset? Do you feel like that's what helped you? Or do you feel like, oh my gosh, it was kind of a wake up call. Like, uh, I need to change some things here. <laughs> you know, that's a great question because every time I assess the situation and where I'm at, I feel like they are good. I feel like they have gone to a level that's going to bring me success. And then something comes along and I realize, oh yeah, you know what? No, I'll, <laughs> I haven't peaked. I haven't gotten there. Training with the Navy SEALs last January, not this January, but January 2019, I get a phone call saying, hey, Griff, we're going to train with the Navy SEALs. You want to come? I'm like, you do realize I'm in a wheelchair, right? 
<laughs> they're like, yeah, so what? I'm like, okay, as long as you don't change anything for me, because if I can't do it, I'll figure out a way to do it. And then if I can't figure out a way to do it um, in, in, in the time that we have, then I'll just sit on the sideline. But one thing I do want to do is I want to jump out of that helicopter into the shark infested waters and, uh, and have that experience. But I learned something from the Navy SEALs. Uh, two things, actually. One thing they said, when you, whenever you think that you're at 100%, you're probably only at 50. Whenever you think you're at 100%, you're probably only at 50. And that's probably a high number. And the other thing I yeah, learned, too. I've, I've, heard it, I've heard them say, like, 40%. You're like, every time you hit threshold, you're really only at about 40%, which means you can give way more. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Way more. And so, and so at that moment, at that moment, I realized that, that, um, as I mentioned before, that nasty experience really was a springboard, was a catalyst to help me propel myself to, to, to go above and beyond of what it, uh, what my expectations were. But at that moment, I thought, you know what, life was over. My dreams of playing football shattered. Everything I'd been doing up until that point was based on the physical my ability to run faster than I was able to run before the ability to catch passes that were thrown to me, the ability to, to, you know, deceive the cornerbacks with clean, concise routes because my speed really still wasn't that great. You know, when I went when I, my first time I did a 40, I was a five, one 40 September. What receiver runs a 5-140? There's linebackers. No receivers. D-line, we, we run faster than that. I know, right? And so, so all those things, you're too short, you're too slow. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm too slow. I got to speed this up. Um, but Steve Largent was one of those guys that I, that I clinged on to that I'm like, okay, he's a 4-7-40. He's a slow, he's a slow white guy. I'm like, at least there's a chance. At least there's an opportunity there, right? And so you look for he, these heroes that will give you light and that will give you hope. And, and, and so that's why I believe that we, we've got to consistently and continually build our hall of heroes, as I call them. Who can we look to that will give us strength? Who can we turn to that will give us light in these moments of darkness? And I had to dig deep, September, because I went to a dark place. Uh, yeah, I, how, yeah, how long were you in this dark place when this happened? Um, and, and so for two questions, how long were you in the dark place? Describe that because I believe people are going to have to go through a dark place no matter what. Like we're going to go through some tests of life that really test us, really forge us. Mm -hmm. So talk about that. And then like, how did you get out? How did you shift? Let's talk about those two things. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it, it, I go into de detail in my book called I'm Possible. Desire okay, I love do. it. I, I am. So is it I am possible or I'm so possible? I'm possible. So I'm possible. I'm possible. Looks like impossible. You got the posture. So I'm possible. Desire, dream, and do. And I go into detail. Um, I call it entering the sauna of self. Well, I call it exiting the sauna of self pity because I entered it. I was wallowing around in that syrupy, sticky sauna of self pity, and I was wilting away. How long were you there? In my mind, too long. Other people's minds are like, dude, you, you, didn't, you didn't grieve long enough. You didn't mourn long enough. You, you didn't go through the, the, the steps long enough. Now, I don't think you have to 
go in there a certain amount of time, but I, I entered it and I was shaking my fist at God. I'm like, why me? Why, why now? In fact, they stopped after they went in and fixed my back. And by the way, the doctors came back with a diagnosis. Like Griff, you're paralyzed. You're never going to walk. You're never going to run. You're never going to move your legs again. It was a life sentence for a 21 year old kid. It was like a heavyweight boxer. Just give me the news. And the knockout punch came when, when, when I decided, you know, no, I'm going to walk out of this hospital. I told the doctor, hey, doc, I'm going to walk out of this hospital. He said, Griff, he pointed his finger at me at my chest. He's like, Griff, don't get your hopes up. You'll never walk or move your legs. And I had an incision from my belly button to my backbone reminding me every day I woke up. And I couldn't even move. It took me 30 minutes to get out of my, out of my bed into the wheelchair with the aid of some nurses. And so me telling the doctor, hey, I'm going to walk again, doc. That's my dream. That's what I want to do again. All the evidence was stacked up against me. He's like, Griff, no way. And, but what was interesting here is, you know how sometimes you, you put it out there, this is what I want to do. And then your past programming and perhaps maybe your peers and the people around you push you back into the shadows of society. And so that's what I mean by, by you've got to continually and consistently be feeding your mind. You know, the solution to pollution is dilution. And so you've got to keep on telling yourself what it is that you want instead of what other people want and, and expectations. Because what's interesting too is all the evidence was stacked up against me. And so it was, it, you know, I'm like, yeah, I guess the expert's right. <laughs> I should just give this up because I am delusional. This dream is delusional. These desires are Pollyannish. You can't do this. No one's done it before. And I've got a picture of your back. There's a four inch plate there. You got that incision. You can't even move. You can't do that. And so they stopped feeding me in the, in the, uh, the hospital. And, 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 and I had to go out. I had to get out of my bed and go to the cafeteria to eat. They fed me, but I had to get out of my bed to go eat. And I was having that pity party of all pity parties. And I'm just rolling down this sterile hallway just thinking, mm. Why? Why was this all taken away from me? Because I wanted to go back to what was familiar. I wanted to go back to what was comfortable. I wanted to go back to what I had built. But what I didn't realize is I was that, that day, there was, something that, that there was a question that was asked to me that set me free. So I, you asked, how long was I in that dark place? And I was in that dark place for about two weeks, maybe a week, week, two weeks. That's it? Yeah. Oh, see, I, I mean, that's crazy to me because. I told my Achilles about uh, 10 and a half months ago. Yeah. And I was in a dark place for like three months, right? Just like, <laughs> and, and you know, like, but it's an, it's an Achilles. Yeah. I know I'm like, I just did a five mile run yesterday mm -hmm. and I'm squatting and I'm lifting and I'm, you know, again, it's not 100%. So dude, that's powerful. Like if you're listening to this, like I, I, I'm up to the point where he said that I'm like, dude, I would, man, was that like months? See, like just in this pity party for months. And he's saying a week to two weeks, which tells me, which tells you, I don't care where you are right now. I do not care. I care about you, but I don't care what you're going through. If my man, author, speaker, right? Global speaker, motivation, Griffin motivation. If Jeff Griffin is just said one, maybe two weeks. Again, he's paralyzed. Because I've already had the thought while, while he's been talking. I was like, I'm buying his book. My boys are going to read it. And it's going to be one of the required readings. Like, they have to read this book. Because, again, this is one of their daddy's buddies. 
right? They'll probably get to know him as Uncle Jeff, and they got to read his book. If you're listening to this, like, pay attention, right? He said something else. The, the, you said the solution for pollution is dilution, which means are you feeding your brain? Are you feeding your heart? Are you feeding your mind? Are you, like, are you building the foundation so when the pressure comes, mm-hmm. man, only diamonds be coming out. Like, only, like, yes, I, I love adversity. So, Jeff, let's come back to your story then. So, one to two weeks, I was thinking it was like months, but <laughs> you, you, you came out of it because that's just who you are, right? You're a champion. You're a winner. You're a leader. You're a beacon of hope, a beacon of light. So, how, like, what allowed you to get out of this thing? Like, what was it that just allowed you to, like, okay, I can't, it's time. Like, it's time. It's yeah. time. Right. Um, and and I, I want your listeners to understand too, that I'm not perfect. I've had, I've had my stumbles. In fact, what's interesting, I go around and tell the world not to quit. Don't quit because that's the opposite of success is to quit. And, and, and here's what happened here. And, and, and what I share in the book too, is I had an experience my freshman year. Yes. I was recruited by Lavelle Edwards. Yes. I went up to Rick's college instead thinking that I am like this big fish in a small pond. And I get up there and I realize that there's, there's some good players up there and passes that I typically caught. I dropped routes. I ran with Christmas. I stumbled and fell teammates that once were encouraging me were discouraging me because they wanted that spot. And the only way that they learned how to do that was to tear other people down and criticize and, and, um, and, and try to get in your way. And so again, it was more than I thought I could handle. And I quit September. And to make matters worse, I called my mom and dad up and told them I was cut. Not only did I give up on my dream and quit, but I lied. That, that's common. Right? Would you say that's common? Like when people just don't want to tell, they don't want to tell the truth and admit like, oh, I, I got cut. It's just like, no, no, I, you know, I just, it wasn't for me. Right. I, I think I see that in kids today. They're like, you know, I just don't want to do this when in reality, like you really do want to do it, but you don't want to face the failure or the cut. Yeah. You don't want to feel, you don't want to deal, you don't want to deal with those demons that are around you. You're like, I'd rather run away where it's comfortable. And, and so for me to this day, I, I, I'm embarrassed to admit what I did. But I learned a lesson of a lifetime. I learned a lesson of a lifetime that has never left me since. And that's this. When our desires are not true and definite and do not meet up and match with our dreams, we allow the demons of doubt, fear, and complacency creep in and paralyze us. And paralyze us to the point where we quit, where we quit on our families. We quit, we quit on our business. We quit on our friends. We quit on our families. There's even some people who are quitting on themselves. And so when our dreams and desires do not match, we allow those, that debilitating darkness to come in and paralyze us. And so if we want to be successful leaders and leaders of success, we've got to make it a point to develop a desperate, burning, deliberate desire that matches with our dreams because of the conflicting and competing desires that are out there. That's normal and natural as well, as well to have those com, com, conflicting desires. I have a buddy who wants to lose weight. He's like, Griff, I think I can lose some weight with you. 
I'm like, okay, let's go. He's like, no, I really think I could lose some weight. If I hung out with you long enough, I could lose some weight. I'm like, let's do it. He's like, nah, I really want to lose some weight. And he'd take a drink from his big gulp. He's like, ah, yeah, I want to lose some weight and take a bite from his Twinkie. And I'm like, does this guy really have a desire to lose weight? And a lot of people will, will quickly shake their head and say, no, he doesn't have a desire to lose weight. But I think he has a desire to lose weight. But what does he have a greater desire to do? Eat Twinkies and drink big gulps. And so here we have these conflicting desires that are always and constantly out there. Maybe it's from programming. Maybe it's from, from, uh, from what we're putting in, whatever it is, right? There's these conflicting desires that are out there. And so if our desires and our dreams do not match up and they're not coupled with emotion, we're not going to experience the unimaginable possibilities to create. And that, and that lesson that I learned back then, my freshman year, fortunately for me, I had a coach that allowed me to come back and I went away for two years. I went away for two years and served a mission. I, and, and I taught people service and I taught and discovered some things that I like to call the P squared mindsets. It's the possibility principle. Not only did I discover it, I just, it just galvanized and was a part of me. And so those two things combined helped prepare me for that moment that I was faced with at that moment. And so that's why I think it, it didn't take me as long to get out of it because, because that moment of lying to my parents and quitting on my dream was more devastating and more embarrassing and more dark and more deep than breaking my back because I, was li I lied to myself. And I lied to my parents. When are we going to stop lying to ourselves, Satema? When are we going to start, stop lying to ourselves and start admitting that, you know what, I don't have it all. I don't have it all. What I'm doing is not working. The results I want aren't, isn't what I'm getting. And so going back to that, that moment where I was in this pity party, I'm rolling down the sterile halls of, of the hospital and I'm rolling, I get to the cafeteria and I don't, I don't want to be around anybody. So I get my food and you know how sometimes you get hurt or something happens and you just want to isolate yourself? Probably the worst yeah. thing to do at that moment. Yeah. You just want to isolate yourself and be, be, be by yourself. And it really hit home one time. And please, I hope there's not any haters out there. One time I got in my truck and I, and I was moving a little bit quicker than my dog was used to. And she, she sleeps underneath my truck to get warm. And she didn't get out in time as I pulled out and I, I, ran, I ran my dog over. Fortunately, she did not die. I think it was just her foot that I ran over, but it was enough for it was painful. And she yelped and she ran away from what brought her pain. This truck that ran over her brought her pain, but inside the truck was me. So I stopped the truck. I'm like, come, come back here, Lucy, come back. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And she ran away from the pain and she was running away from the same person that could help her. How many times do we run away from the pain and then run away from the people that could actually help us? It happens too often. It does, right? And again, yeah, it's human nature. It is. It is human nature. And I, I got to finish here because I've taken way too much time of your time and your listeners' time. And, and, but I do want to finish this story because I do want to help your listeners pick themselves back up. Because perhaps right now the world has just come crashing down and it's shattered. Perhaps they're experiencing a setback. Maybe this isn't their setback. Maybe they have experienced it somewhere else. But I'm telling you right now, every single one of us is going to experience a setback and a major challenge that is going to push us to the brink of destruction. And there's a question that was asked that changed my life. Now, I've had some down days. I've had some bad days. I've had some difficult days, a lot of those. 
But September, I have never gone back to that sauna of self-pity after this question. And my wife thinks, she's like, she thinks I'm too positive. She's like, Jeff, will you bring it down? <laughs> have you ever had that before oh that, that's why i'm laughing because people are like there's no way you can be this positive there's something wrong like be get real i'm like sucker i am being real <laughs> like and like i want you to if you listen to this like w- what you see what, what you're hearing with jeff is is who he is like he's a happy dude like i'm a happy dude this dude is a happy dude happy and i love that he said like just bring it down people are saying bring it down because you're so high on life and you're so happy on life. It's uncomfortable to be around happy people. If you're not that, if you haven't put in, right. If you haven't paid the mm-hmm. price, if you haven't built the foundation, if you haven't diluted it with positivity and you filled it. So what's the question? Like, I want to know what is the question? Absolutely. Has- Absolutely. Here's the, so here's the question. So I'm going through the, the, the line. I get my food. I'm crying. Big old crocodile tears rolling down my cheeks, dropping to the floor. And I go to the furthest part as I possibly can in this cafeteria, put my food down. I just want to be left alone. I'm looking down at my food. I'm just, why me? You know, having this poor, poor old pity party. I'm flavoring the food with my tears. And all of a sudden this tray plops down in front of me. And I'm, gonna, and I'm, I'm about to come up and look at this person to tell them to go somewhere with words that I'm not going to use right now. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm getting ready to just, just chew him out. And I look at him and he looks at me and we have this split second conversation that, that lasted about five minutes. I don't know if you ever had those before. It's just in a split second, you have this, this conversation. He looked at me and I looked at him and he, and he said something that changed my life. He said, why are you crying, dude? I'm like, what? He's like, why are you crying, dude? And in his slurred speech, I realized what he was asking me. He's like, why are you crying, dude? And that question, once I understood it, snapped me out of my pity part. And I looked around, and I'm like, why am I crying? I noticed that there was a guy. I passed all these people getting to my, getting to my isolated spots. And my eyes were open and I noticed that there's a guy who was paralyzed from the neck down. He had a halo on. It was screwed to his skull. He couldn't even move. He couldn't even feed himself. And, and uh, he was fortunate enough that he didn't have a breathing machine. There's another guy who was paralyzed from the neck down and he, he, couldn't, even, he couldn't even feed himself. But he could move his, he could move his uh, arms, in one arm, and, and he couldn't grab the fork. So they, painted, they taped the fork to his hand. And by the time the food got to his mouth, it was gone. I'm looking around, I'm like, why am I crying? I can use my arms, at least for right now. I can hug people, I can feel people. I can get up and release some pressure from my body that these guys can't. I can feed myself. And so I looked around and that question just hit me hard. And he says, why are you crying, dude? And here's the irony, Satema. The guy sitting across from me, that set me free from my prison was a prisoner at the point of the mountain who happened to be there because he was exercising and had an aneurysm in his brain that paralyzed his right side of his body where he couldn't even speak. And so here he's at the hospital trying to receive some, uh, some uh, therapy. And this prisoner asked a question that Why set me crying? free Why from my crying? prison. Why are you crying, dude? 
That's my question. Why are you crying, dude? Life is too good. We can focus on what we can't do or we can focus on what we can do. And that's what I decided to do from there on out. Maybe I can't walk right now, but I'm going to focus on what I can do. And what I can do is I can go out to the front of the hospital and envision myself exercising again, doing squats. I'm, I'm physically sweating as I'm doing squats in my mind and leg extensions and leg curls and seeing myself walk down this, this street again. With the diagnosis that you'll never, ever stand or walk or move your legs again. But I've done that every single day because Satema, I will walk and not be weary. I will run and not faint. I will have a full recovery because I'm focusing on what I can do and not what I can't do. So anyway, I brother, I appreciate this time. I've, I've gone way, like, way okay. over we'll, our time we'll break, here. we'll break this up into two podcasts. I've already thought about that. I, it was too good to stop. So here's my, my final question then is, where do they get your book? How do they learn about you? If they want to hire an amazing speaker, where do they go to do that? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I, I want to give your listeners something that they can have for free. I love but understand it. this. What we obtain cheaply, we esteem lightly. But that's okay. That's okay. You can still go get this for free. It's, I don't care. Still, like, and I get it. Like, so there's people who are going to get it for free. I'm going to go get it for free. I, I've already made my mind. I'm going to buy three copies of your book. Uh, I'm going to give my boys to read it. And then, again, there's, it, it at least gets them into the gate with you. And then there's opportunities to continue to learn more about, again, how they can be positive, how they can visualize goals and visualize the impossibility and the things that are tough. So give, give us everything you got, what you got. So if you'll text the word possible, P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E to 801 801-316-8689. 801-316-8689. And, I, and I'll send you the possibility principle. I call it the P-squared mindset. Some benefits, five benefits that come from there, some huge ones, I believe. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll just send you the, the, the PDF. And I'm be asking you to do something 21 days. 21 days. And, and, um, and, but the thing is, it's simple, but not easy. It's simple, but not easy. And it's so powerful. And so that one's for free. If you want my book, if you want any of my other things as well, you can go to Griffin Motivation, like the mythical beast, G-R-I-F-F-I-N.com. You go to the shop. You go to the shop section. Um, we'll, we'll throw out some love to you guys who are listening. If you put in the coupon code love, we'll take off 50% on any of the items that are there. We've got an online course. We've got a workshop that we do. One of the most powerful experiences, as Satema said, is that keynote um, speech that, that I give. A lot of people refer me as a motivational speaker, but I like to think of myself as a transformational speaker with this life-altering experience that we provide for the listeners and give them this, an experience. And so um, two books um, just got done with one that's called Endless Possibilities, The 90-Day Recipe for World Record Results. That one, my friend, is, is amazing. And so... Satama, so, thank you so much for letting me spend some time with you. I'd love to come back. If there's any interest, we, we, we just scratched the surface, my friend. We've just scratched the surface on, on how we can climb our own Everests, as I call them. This Mountains so that were deemed to be impossible to climb. I love it. Guys, if you've enjoyed it, you can go to griffinmotivation.com. Follow them on social media. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the site right now. 
I'm about to get uh, some books from my boys, Impossible by Jeff Griffin. So they can, again, I want them to read this. I'm going to make them listen to this podcast. Yes, I do that. I've, since I'm homeschooling my kids, I get to determine some of the curriculum. And while school is amazing, right? School teaches math and history and all these things. Some of the things that schools don't teach are like personal power and personal finance and overcoming adversity. Some of these things that just really carry you on. So I've got some new curriculum for my sons. Brother, I love you. Thank you for being here with us today. What an honor to have you here. And uh, anything else you want to share? I love you, man. I'm telling you, you are the solution to impossible. So often we, we look outside for the answers and solutions and they're, and they're right there. They just have to be unpackaged. They just have to be tapped and, and, um, and released. And then not just that, duplicated. We got to consistently be consistent in doing the right things right. My brother, thank you so much. Guys, if you've enjoyed this, share the podcast on. Like, go teach what you learned today. Share this with someone who needs to hear this. I took a ton of notes. I'm going to go back. There's so many nuggets and one-liners in here that I'm like, I've not heard that. And I've been around the block. Like, this is what I do for a living. So there's going to be a bunch of stuff that I strip from here, put into uh, my social media, onto my Instagram, Facebook. Really, as an influencer, you know, Jeff's, you know, he's a speaker, but... He's also, he's a thought leader. He's an influencer. He's an author. He's a life changer. And uh, we are in this game together. So you guys have an amazing day. Go enjoy the podcast. And until next time, we're out. Let's go. This is your daily revolution. Live in prosperity. We show you how to do it. There's no luck about it. We got the strategic blueprint. This is the your daily revolution you're ready no and if you don't then check my resume turning pressure into possibilities every day we all can win and live our unique purpose we change our mindsets and put the work in this is the your daily revolution daily revolution revolution your daily revolution podcast